Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest podcast. And this is entitled Optimal Imaging, the Staging of Pancreatic Cancer. And this is a talk I gave to the uh, GI folks and the surgeons at the uh, American Pancreatic Association. So I thought I would share it with you because it was a way of trying to say what we can do with the evaluation of pancreatic cancer with uh, CT these days. And that was really what I was requested to speak about. Now, I mentioned, of course, that multidisciplinary care in pancreatic cancer is critical, and uh, many articles have looked at multidisciplinary care. This was the first article from Hopkins about eight years ago, and it showed that there was tremendous impact by having a group of surgeons and medical oncologists and radiation therapists, pathology, radiology, and the like, and it affected significantly the management of patients and it, especially by doing the imaging, we were able to change management of patients. On presentation, the outside CT report described locally advanced or unresectable disease, metastatic disease, or locally advanced disease with metastasis. But after reviewing the imaging and then doing dual phase imaging with 3D mapping, we're able to change the management in almost 8, 19% of cases. So sometimes patients had more significant disease and surgery would not be indicated. Sometimes patient had disease where surgery could be done. And sometimes patients had a change in diagnosis from adenocarcinoma to neuroendocrine tumor, from adenocarcinoma, quote unquote, to lymphoma, and from suspected adenocarcinoma to autoimmune pancreatitis, or just simply a normal variant. When we look at misdiagnosis in CT, one of the most common misdiagnoses revolves around pancreatic lesions. Sometimes it's the lack of detection. Sometimes it's the lack of understanding the extent of disease. Sometimes it's the difficulty in distinguishing what the disease process is. And uh, at times you won't believe, but even the pathology has difficulty. And it's often only with radiology that we say what we think the disease is based on its appearance. And then based on that, you may get additional stains or relook at the pathology. Now, it's interesting, there was a committee trying to look at pancreatic adenocarcinoma, trying to get a reporting template. But one of the things that happened is, as you try to figure out what the best template was for describing disease, because of there was such variability in descriptions, that when you try to sit down and say, well, what's the best definition? What's the best way of describing disease? You also realized the fact was that you needed to describe how to do the study. If you didn't say how to do the study, you would actually have a hard time really determining how to report the study. And it became clear that often the protocols are so variable that really what you need to evaluate a pancreatic mass is dual phase imaging with 3D mapping. And this article went as far as to say that if you didn't do that before you operate or manage a patient, you need to do that. And it's interesting in that article, it's very important to read that article because I always believe it may be a prototype for how things are looked at in the future. We spoke about the scan protocols, when and how to acquire the data. It also spoke about how you interpret the studies, whether it was the SMA or celiac axis or common hepatic, whether it was arterial or whether it was venous. How do we look and how do we interpret? What do we say? What measurements do we use? And then extra pancreatic disease. And then, of course, more information regarding the templates, 
the morphologic evaluation, the arterial evaluation, all the things we need to look at. And it's very, very important. And it's interesting, there was an article that followed this that made the report that structured reporting of pancreatic multiphase CT provided superior evaluation of pancreatic cancer and facilitated surgical planning. The surgeons were more confident about resectability when they had a structured report before they even looked at the images. So again, it was often the ability to change an answer of unsure regarding resectability to a definitive answer. So it's not just the acquisition, but it's the reporting. So everything needs to go together to make things optimal. And so in the study by Brooke, 48 structured and 72 non-structured reports were reviewed. And you can see information for surgical planning was deemed easily accessible in 94%, 60 and 98% of structured reporting with three surgeons versus 47, 54 and 32%. So again, you can see that we can really improve on what we do and improve on management of patients with pancreatic cancer. And yet, I've not even spoken to you about it and how to read the studies. Important thing also that we've written about previously is the fact that timing is so critical. One of the things that's very important, if a patient has a CT scan more than 25 days prior to surgery, you might want to repeat the study or you should repeat the study before you operate because often, the disease is very aggressive and can change. Someone potentially resectable may not be resectable nearly a month later. So a very important thing to remember as well. Now in terms of protocols, let me be specific. We do arterial and venous phase imaging. We don't do non-contrast, we don't do delayed. The arterial phase imaging is ideal in distinguishing the tumor type. Adenoca is typically hypovascular and neuroendocrines are typically hypervascular. We also can sometimes pick up adenocarcinomas that are easier to see on arterial than in venous phase, though that's uncommon. And of course, looking at the arterial structures, the celiac, the hepatic, splenic, SMA, GDA, are all optimally visualized on the patient's arterial phase. And we create these very important maps. The surgeons like vascular maps because variant anatomy, whether it's replaced or accessory hepatic artery, or something as important as median aquan ligament syndrome becomes very critical in their approach to surgery. If you miss a median aquan ligament syndrome, you could infarct the liver after you do a Whipple's procedure and resect the GDA. Very, very important. Same thing on the venous side. Again, post-processing, the venous images are ideal for detecting most adenocarcinomas. You can see them a bit better but also looking at the venous structures, portal vein and the SMV and splenic vein. It's also ideal for picking up metastasis to the liver. Mets to the liver are best seen from adenocarcinoma on venous phase and best seen in arterial phase from the patient's uh, neuroendocrine tumor. Now it's also important to recognize that the two phases often work together, sometimes very small liver lesions are hard to distinguish as to what they are, but often in arterial phase, you'll see perfusion changes, which allows you to recognize them being metastasis. Now the process is not just axial imaging, as we've said for many things. Multiplanar, volume rendering, and MIP are all critical. Going back a decade, Ikikawa made the point that coronal and sagittal MPR images increase the sensitivity of CT, the accuracy CT, of CT and really help the surgeon. 
And Rapitopoulos, going back almost a decade, talked about by adding 3D imaging of the vessels, negative predictive value of a resectable tumor was 96% compared to 70% for axial imaging alone. So again, the numbers have always been there. It's been somewhat maybe our fault that we have not implemented a lot of the things we should implement. Now, what do we look at? Well, the first thing I always look at is a pancreatic mass. Is there a mass present? Is it cystic or solid? Is it vascular or not vascular? And so here's a very simple example of a low-density lesion in the pancreatic head, best seen on venous phase imaging, which this is. You can see as I play with the data sets from multiplanar to volume rendering, we can accentuate the mass. In this case, you can see the mass is very nicely shown near the patient's SMV and near the portal vein, but is not involving it. We look at this next case, and you could see the importance of looking at the ductal structures. Here we see a dilated pancreatic duct. There's atrophy of the distal gland, and the gland does not enhance as much as the proximal gland. When you look a bit closer under that circle, you don't see a large mass. It's a small mass, but there's a transition. The mass obstructs the pancreatic duct and changes the attenuation of the gland. Very, very classic for an adenocarcinoma. Now, when we look at the pancreas, one of the most important things really is duct dilatation. And whether it's the common duct or pancreatic duct, we follow a dilated duct downward, look for the cause of obstruction. Where is the obstruction? Is there a transition point? That makes our life very easy. It's also one of the reasons we don't like stents placed before we do the CT. If you have a stent in the common duct, it can obscure a distal common duct tumor or make it hard to distinguish between common duct, distally versus ampullary versus pancreatic. And here's just a nice example of a dilated common duct, and you see the transition at the head of the pancreas. The mass is hypodense, but you can see very nicely the transition. And in this patient, we also can see the dilated pancreatic duct. So we have a double duct sign, dilated common duct, dilated pancreatic duct. A very, very nice example. Now, a critical part of determining the extent of disease is the vascular involvement, and CT is very good. Things we look at, celiac and SMA, we look at hepatic and splenic arteries. As we discussed before, we define the anatomic location of the vessels, look at patency, look at encasement, potentially narrowing. This will determine perhaps, even if a patient is not resectable today, what about when they get chemotherapy? Can we predict what's going to happen? We also note for surgical planning a very nice example in this case of a common trunk to the celiac and SMA, which is important, or the median arc with ligament syndrome. And you can see when the median arc compresses the patient's celiac, very nicely shown here on sagittal 3D and with 3D MIP. You can see the uh, celiac artery is almost occluded. You have the postenotic dilatation. This is very important because the surgeon is going to have to fix the celiac at the time of surgery. If they don't do this, as I mentioned, when you take the GDA, you may result in infarction of the liver. You can see the GDA is a critical vessel in this case to the hepatic artery and to the SMA. So again, the flow to the hepatic artery would come through that GDA, and you can see how prominent the vessels are. So a very, very important diagnosis. And it's important in Whipple's procedures, but also in liver transplant surgery, or in any surgery where the GDA may be compromised. Now, when we look at the patient's uh, celiac and SMA, and here we're looking at the SMA, 
We look at it in multiple planes. You can see the SMA is widely patent, but you can see particularly well in the sagittal view the encasement of the SMA, the infiltration. We talk about 180 degrees or more being involved, but in 3D you can see things better. You can see really it's the encasement of the vessel that's so critical. Same thing on the venous side. So here's a nice example of a patient's pancreatic mass in the head of the pancreas where you can see that the portal vein, splenic vein, SMV junction is seen, but there's encasement of the patient's SMV and a little bit of the portal vein and SMV junction. You also can see involvement of the patient's SMA. And again, the 3D mapping, a combination of volume rendering and MIP imaging is particularly helpful. MIP imaging is very good at showing you the collateral pathways. When you see lots of collaterals, you have to be highly suspicious that the patient must have a critical stenosis present. Or you can see in this case, for example, the patient has a pancreatic mass plus inflammation. And if you look very carefully, you can see this portal vein involvement, which is easier to see in the coronal view. And what's happened is the tumors involved and included the splenic vein, but grows directly into the portal vein. Now, portal vein involvement in and of itself does not make you non-resectable. Surgeons can now put in grafts, and our surgeons are very skilled at doing that. But this patient is going to get chemotherapy first before the patient gets operated on. Or in this case, where it's a little bit more subtle, but you can see SMV involvement by the patient's pancreatic mass. You're not going to get surgical margins clear in this patient unless you do chemotherapy first. And again, it's subtle, but you can very nicely see on these images the involvement and extension of the patient's tumor in the head of the pancreas and uncinate into the patient's SMV. And if you had any doubt, there it is nicely on the coronal view. So again, looking at these images really makes it easy to be certain what you're dealing with. And again, the systematic approach, looking for mass, looking at the ducts, looking at the arterial structures, looking at the venous structures, become very, very critical. Now, what about errors? This article is written a number of years ago, but I'd like to show the article because where are our challenges? Still small liver mets, particularly on the surface of the liver, are difficult for us. Vascular encasement, we're much better than ever. Adenopathy is not going to change the management of patients. Uh, at surgery, you will collect between 20 and 30 nodes and see whether any of them are positive, it's only then can you really predict some of the patient's outcome. Sometimes you see big nodes and they have no tumor, they're reactive. Sometimes small nodes are indeed positive. One of the things also to remember, patients at times will not be resectable. We do chemotherapy trying to make them resectable. You want to be very careful. Once you get chemotherapy, there's a very good chance you can overestimate degree of involvement because the tissue planes become a little bit obscured, so you want to be very careful. When in doubt, the patient will get surgery. Um, there's also a question about, again, the same thing, looking at preoperative therapy. A good quote from Morgan, until more prospective gathered data available, we suggest for patients with locally advanced disease that a downstage by neoadjuvant therapy, denial of the option for surgical cure, by overestimating the degree of vascular involvement on MDCT should be minimized. So when in doubt, the patient will indeed get surgery. Now, what else in terms of CT? 
Well, what about Perfusion CT with dual source data? A lot of interest in that. We've done some work with texture mapping. This may be helpful in looking at responsive chemotherapy and determining when patients should be operated on. Dual energy CT, can that also be used to detect response? And where does PET scanning fit in? There's a lot of interest in PET scanning, and it's helpful sometimes if the tumor is positive and then becomes negative in terms of uh, determining management, but about 25% of uh, adenocarcinomas are PET negative, so it's really going to be a challenge where PET field fits in. Sometimes PETs become negative and yet there's tumor positive margins, so again, it's very important to recognize that we will learn more over the near term. So concluding then, CT remains the gold standard for evaluation of pancreatic cancer. It's widely available in the community, but the th key thing is it needs to be used correctly. Very specific, well-defined protocols. Interpretation must be standardized, but it's not going to be standardized looking at axial imaging. Multiplanar and 3D are critical. And, you know, perhaps maybe if people are not that good at reading them locally, second opinions, it's easy to send images around, assuming they're correctly uh, obtained. One little also important point to make to you, which I did not say at this meeting because it wasn't available, is that we've put together a app on the Apple Store looking at pancreatic masses, a very nice guide for looking at pancreatic masses and interpreting and analyzing. And if you don't have that free download, it pays to get it. It works on the iPad and on the iPhone. And with that, I thank you for your attention and have a great day.